time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. It's another edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA on Route 52. You can find us online by going to cpweldygroup.com to find past episodes and more information about creating tax-efficient and successful retirement plans. Charles, normally I ask you how you been but I feel like the way to ask you that question nowadays is how you holding up through this coronavirus situation we all find ourselves in right now. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm holding up fairly well. I mean, we're deemed to be an essential business. And uh, I'm grateful that, you know, even though we're not fully staffed and we're kind of keeping our distance and some of my employees are working at home, uh, we're holding up OK. I just my heart goes out to all those uh you know, workers that are on hourly wages or work in restaurants. I mean, you know, I, I remember when I started my career, how difficult it was to, you know, live from paycheck to paycheck. And uh, my heart goes out to them and, you know, they're in my prayers. Yeah, it's, it's a tough time for a lot of people. You've got multiple layers of this, right? Those who are actually getting sick or know people who are getting sick. Two, those who may not be affected by the sickness side of things, but they are impacted by the job side of the issue. And then I do feel like there's kind of like this third group, which certainly I'm fine being in that group, but where, you know, we're still working full force and almost busier now than uh, we were before the virus and all of the fallout before because of that. And I think just because we're trying to adjust what it's like to work from home and it's just if problem solving all of those issues ends up taking up more time, the amount of communication that you're probably having to have with clients and, and you know, folks asking questions about what should they do. I would say you, you probably fall in that same boat as me of just being even busier at this point in time. Yeah, I'm busier, but I'm not a fool to not realize that if this thing continues for another like two or three months, I mean, the impact it's going to have on the economy and, you know, the, you know, the, the effect it's going to have on all, everyone is, is just uh, enormous. So I'm just hoping and praying that uh, somehow we balance this uh, medical uh pandemic with, uh, you know, the economic realities that people need to go back to work and we need to maintain our health and, you know, hopefully things will work out. Uh, I don't know what else to say, but, you know, I'm, I'm just hoping for the best. You're right. It's definitely a one-two punch as a country that we're trying to absorb here and figure our way through it. But you know what? We are very resilient in this country, humans across the world, very resilient. Uh, we're going to be able to get through this. Uh, it may be tough, but we're going to make it through and come out on the other side with uh, probably some new perspectives on things, Charles, but uh, also probably, you know, in, in a better position to, you know, grow and respond and, you know, get better from here. So uh, we're going to try and drill down a little bit on today's show to specifically talking about the financial implications of this virus and the fallout from it. Charles, there's a lot of different directions we could certainly take this conversation in with stimulus packages being passed, the stock market, you know, going through that crash at the very beginning of this process, not knowing whether or not that volatility is going to stick around for a month, two, three, four the economy as a whole is the big conversation here. So many different directions. So I know you kind of wanted to boil today's show down into three key points or three key questions people need to be answering and, and asking themselves. Absolutely. So I really like to focus on the stock market because, um, you know, I've been in this business for over 30 years and I know in the past there's been fear and uncertainty, but I've never seen such a sudden downturn in volatility so quickly. I mean, uh, you know, six weeks ago, things were going great. 
and all of a sudden, like the world has changed. So um, I really believe that depending upon how people act or react, uh, there's going to be winners or losers. So what I thought was, uh, you know, maybe coming up with three questions that, you know, most or all long term investors should ask themselves. And maybe what I'll do is I'll start with question number one. Why should I own equities? Because we know depending upon you know, where you were invested that you know, by and large, your account's down 25, 30% as we speak. And nobody knows if we're at the bottom where we're gonna go further. But um, the first thing I wanna mention about why I should own equities is that people own equities because they're long-term investments. There's a fellow by the name of Nick Murray up in New York that I visit every year. And there's one thing that he says that is just embellished in my brain. It's uh, short-term unknowable, long-term inevitable. So with that said, like nobody knows where the next 25% movement's going to be up or down, but I would venture to say that most people would agree where the next 100% move is going to be, and that's going to be up. So the reality of it is, you know, we have to just say to ourselves, look, this is a long-term investment. And this long-term investment is, I define it as a five, seven year minimum hold. And if anyone were to panic and sell out at today's prices, I think they're doing themselves and their family a disservice. So that's, you know, that's one of the reasons uh, why you should own equities because they're long-term investments and short-term we react, you know, long-term we can plan. And these are long-term investments for most people. So, you know, stay the course. I know it sounds like an old cliche, but think about it. If your account's down 25, 30%, you move it to cash, and cash is getting one and maybe fixed income eventually will go back to three. We're looking at a 10 year recovery just, you know, just to flee to safety. Do you follow what I'm saying, Walter? I follow. And I think you're wise. It's always a conversation of long term versus short term. Is short term pain beneficial to withstand so that you can experience long term gain? Or sometimes we do want to wait things in the shorter term. We've got to make the focus there. And that's clearly the conversations they've been having about the stimulus packages and, and building these things. Yes, we're going to add to some long term pain in terms of the deficit, but we really need the short term gains and benefits fits right now too. So always a balance between those two things. So from a personal standpoint, seems like that makes a lot of sense as question number one, why own equities? All right. What about question number two? All right. Well, you know, why do, how do investors get harmed or why do they get harmed? Well, I'm going to say this, they have a short term point of view. I mean, right now people are sitting at home, the TV's on 24 seven and everything they're saying is like getting people more anxious. And again, you know, that's what gets people making mistakes is not their intellect, but their emotions. So I would just say that, hey, we have to get rid of that short term point of view, because, again, why do we own equities for long term you know, stability? It's um, historically true that over periods of time, equities outperform any other asset class. So investors get harmed by having a short term point of view. The other thing, too, is that people have money in equities that they really don't have the right asset allocation. They should also have money that is earmarked for liquidity. So if people were allocated properly, when this you know um, market decrease came like a, a week or two ago, they would have a preservation piece where they could take money out and not worry about the equities being down. Because again, as Mr. Nick Murray in New York says, you know, long-term inevitable, short-term unknowable. Um, we have to have that short-term cash reserve account to get us through difficult times. Yeah, it's so wise, so wise to look at it that way. All right, key questions 
on today's show that we're covering to help you kind of navigate through this coronavirus situation. What's next? All right. So the last question is like, what have successful investors in the past done historically to insulate themselves from you know this emotional type of investing, pulling money out at the worst possible time? And I would say that they stayed focused with their asset allocation. They had a emergency fund. They had a preservation fund. They had the equities earmarked for long-term growth. And the reality of it is, you had mentioned earlier in the podcast that you know there's going to be pain either way. Well, short-term pain, long-term gain, or it's going to be no pain short-term converting the cash, but long-term pain uh, because our account won't grow as, as uh, fully as it could possibly grow in equities over time. So there's no way getting rid of the pain. We just have to realize that that's part of the investment process, having your assets allocated properly. What's in the soon bucket? What's in the later bucket? And what's in your emergency fund? Uh, so that's number one. Number two, there's people that actually view depressed equity prices as a buying opportunity. Now, I'm not going to get on the phone and tell my clients to, hey, it's a sale going on. It'll actually invest like X amount of dollars. But the reality, if you look at people like John Templeton and uh, you know some of the uh, the other uh, sages, I guess, um, who was at Warren Buffett, I mean, you know, they've got cash that they're deploying probably now. I mean, I don't know it for a fact, but I'm, I'm kind of assuming it because the market is like 25, 30% cheaper than it was like a week or two ago. So, you know, depressed equity prices are a buying opportunity and we tend to react as human beings and look at it as, hey, you know, danger ahead, pull, you know, convert the cash. We're getting to something a little bit safer. I mean, personally, what I'm going to do, I don't know if I'm going to get one of these refunds or not from the federal government. I know it depends on your income, but if I do get it, guess what? I'm putting that money into my grandchildren's, you know, 529 plans. Uh, the bottom line is I'll be buying equities at a cheaper price. And then lastly, in terms of what successful investors have historically done, you know, when these bear markets occur, they find a way to turn lemons into lemonade. By that, what I mean is like, let's face it, if you had an IRA account worth, I'm just going to use, you know, a number, you know, for illustrative purposes, a $500,000 IRA. And let's just say all of a sudden now with the decrease in the market, it's worth 350, right? So you're down $150,000. Well, let's face it. Eventually, when you pull money out of that account, you're going to have to pay taxes. Maybe, you know, smart investors look at this as an opportunity to maybe convert you know, temporary low equities into tax-free lifetime, you know, growth equities. And again, you know, I've always been raised uh, as an optimist. I look for the class to be half full, not half empty. And I'm saying like, hey, when I talk to my clients, I might not say, hey, why don't you put loads of money in the market and buy at a discount? I might be saying, you know what, that IRA that you have, it might be a good idea to strategically start allocating some of it or a portion of it to a Roth IRA to avoid future tax increases. So basically, you know, what I'm saying is, even though, the, you know, we tend to react and we tend to be on the defensive and we're all anxious, there's opportunities today in today's market to actually reposition your asset allocation so that when the market recovers, and you know, if history's any guide, it always does, that you'll be in a much better position than perhaps you were before this bear market uh, event occurred. Three key questions to certainly ask as you work through the coronavirus fallout and everything related to the stock market. Really important questions to certainly ask ourselves there, Charles. And if we're asking the right kinds of questions like that, it's going to lead to having a better plan in place overall because we're going to have a better, clearer path 
to get to and through our retirement years. I'm curious, before we wrap up today's show, Charles, can you give us an update? If somebody's listening to the show today, maybe they're a first-time listener, um, seeking some guidance as maybe they've been hit hard by the stock market downturn from not having a plan in place. And of course, I know we have a lot of current clients that listen to the show as well. But can you give us an idea of what this all has done to your business in terms of your operations, if somebody wants to meet with you or talk this through with you, are you still meeting in person with folks, uh, you know, social distancing wise, or are you transitioning to, to virtual meetings or just over the phone? What's the, can you give us some expectations for how somebody would interact with you if they needed some help? Yeah. So that's a great question. I mean, for now we, we actually have a tax practice also. So a lot of things are on hold. We're still working remotely from home. We're in the process of setting up virtual meetings. Um, I'm a little behind the eight ball on that, to be candid with you. But uh, people can call the office. We can schedule a phone. Uh, I, I call it a right fit phone call. I'll answer some questions and see if there's an opportunity to help you, that type thing. But by and large, uh, you know, we're open for business and we're here to help people. I think it's my calling to help people get a date dollar specific financial plan in writing so that when these events occur and they will occur in the future, maybe not to this degree, but there will be like corrections in the market that the plan will drive the, um, the actions, not the emotions. Well, if you need any help with Charles Welding, you want to set up that FIT meeting to see if you would be a good fit to work with one another, it's very easy to do so. A couple of ways to get in touch. One is via phone, 610-388-7705 is the number. That's 610-388-7705. And you can also find out more information online at cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. And we'll put all of Charles's contact information in the description in the show notes of today's show. So whatever app you're using, just check that section of uh, today's episode and you'll see how to get in touch with Charles and the crew at CP Weldy Group. Charles, thanks for all the help on today's episode. Uh, hope that you stay healthy and safe and uh, wash your hands. And we'll be looking <laughs> forward to uh, checking in with you again on a future episode and uh, we'll keep tabs with you. Thank you, Walter. Same to you. All right. We really appreciate it. That's Charles Weldy here on Reengineering Your Finances. If you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out. And don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting apps. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Reengineering Your Finances podcast. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.